Hey Fools, Matt Copenheffer here. We have a special show for you today. Earlier this month, I was in Las Vegas with Fool writer Patrick Morris. We were at the Electronic Transactions Association Transact 14 Conference. While we were there, I got to speak to the head of ETA, Jason Oxman. What follows is the full interview that I had with Jason Oxman. Uh, it's, a, it's a great listen, and it goes to a lot of the key issues in the payments technology industry today. I hope you enjoy it. Hey folks, Matt Copenheffer here. I'm here with Jason Oxman, the head of the Electronic Transactions Association. We're here this, uh, this week at the ETA Transact 2014 conference. And Jason, we've just been hearing so much interesting stuff from all these great speakers uh, and panelists so far. Let me start you off with what I think is a, is a tough one, but a very interesting question to me. Uh, credit cards versus alternative payments. When we think about the future of, of payment technology, how does that shake out? How do you see that shaking out? Is there a partnership, or does one win out over the other? Well, the great thing, Matt, about the industry is that we are in a period of unbelievable innovation. So when we talk about the credit card industry, it has the word card in it. Right. Because for the last 40 years, consumers have been. been using the plastic card. But we're in a period of innovation where we're moving to mobile payments. We're moving to more interesting and dynamic form factors for initiating a payments transaction. Mm -hmm. But whatever the means that a consumer uses to initiate that transaction, whether it's the plastic card or the phone, okay. what's most important, I think, for consumers and for merchants is the transaction be safe, reliable, secure. Sure. Uh, all of that goes into the confidence that consumers have in the U.S. to using those cards, mm -hmm. as it were. Consumers in the U.S. carry one billion credit and debit cards in their wallets. Uh, not our, all at once. Not all at once, <laughs> right. Our industry processed $4.9 trillion worth of transactions last year. So clearly this is American consumers' preferred way to pay. That's U.S. or globally? That's, that's U.S., okay. $4.9 trillion in the U.S. Uh, there are 8 million merchants in the U.S. that accept credit and debit cards, mm -hmm. again, because it's consumers' preferred method of payment. Sure. So when I hear uh, people talk about alternative payments, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. Dogecoin, whatever <laughs> is out there, um, those are all very interesting um, currencies, if you will, um, and it's very easy for people to use those alternative forms of payment. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't replace necessarily what we're used to, the safety, the reliability, the convenience, the ubiquity of acceptance that we've come to see with the payments networks that have been so robustly deployed uh, around the world over the last 40 years. Gotcha. And when you talk about alternative, or when you hear alternative uh, payment technologies, does something like PayPal fit into there? Or is that more, or is it some gray area in between? I think PayPal is a great example of a, a, just a true innovator in the payment space. Sure. They have been they've been around for a long time. They're mm -hmm. not a new company. They've been around for more than a decade, right. um, and they have just brought an incredible amount of innovation, uh, first online, uh, then to mobile, uh, mm -hmm. even into the uh, you know the retail space today. Uh, whenever I go to Home Depot, uh, I pay with PayPal yep. because I can do it right by entering my. You can phone do that number. on Uber now. It's a it's a you know what it is. It's a hands free mobile payment. Right? Sure. I can just type in my phone number. I don't even need to pull out my phone in order to pay 
uh, at the point of sale with PayPal. So an enormously uh, innovative and disruptively innovative. They are really changing the way payments are, are made in this country, and I think PayPal is a great example of that. I think of PayPal as, and I think it's great to think of them as an alternative provider uh -huh. um, because they are so disruptive. Right. But at the same time, when you make a PayPal transaction, you've got the guarantee behind you of not only PayPal itself, which makes some guarantees uh, to protect consumers uh, and merchants, but also if your PayPal card uh, or your PayPal account is attached to your credit card, it's funded by a credit card, you've got all the protections of the credit card network as well. So there are a lot of layers of protection there. And again, we can call that alternative because right. it's a new technology and it's very cool what they're doing. <laughs> but it's still important to remember that those protections need to be there for consumers. Okay. And, and you mentioned mobile payments. And in your, your introduction remarks this, this morning, you, I think you kind of referred to the fact that the, the people are, are looking at mobile payments and saying it's not moving ahead as fast as it should. It's too fragmented. But you were more optimistic about it and, um, and, and seemed to think that mobile payments are making good inroads, are making good progress. I think one of the big questions I have is, does that stay fragmented or is there a way, does collaboration happen where we end up with one shared standard or, or something like that? Or do, do we continue to see a Google over here, uh, Starbucks doing its thing over here, level up over here and have that fragmentation? Yeah, and, and you mentioned companies that are pursuing uh, very different business plans. Sure depending on what type of technology they use to implement mobile payments, whether it's a 2D barcode or a 3D barcode or mm -hmm. an NFC chip. There are a lot of different technologies out there. But as you noted, my, my view is uh, that that level of innovation taking place across multiple platforms is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think there are naysayers out there who say there's too many different pathways, too many different companies deploying, too many different technologies, and that's why mobile payments won't work. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think that's exactly why mobile Because there are so many, yeah. yeah. That's Correct. exactly right. Consumers need to see the technology that works for them. Mm -hmm. Merchants need to see, see the technology. Uh, it's easy to forget that merchants need to make it as an investment, uh, need to uh, invest in point-of-sale equipment mm -hmm. to accept mobile payments, and they want to see what their customers are going to be demanding that they use. So I, I do think all the different technologies out there, uh, not everybody's going to win. Uh, there is going to be some inevitable shakeout in the, in the types of technologies that are being deployed. There are a lot of open questions. What's Apple going to do? Is Apple going to put an NFC chip in their iPhone 6? Sure. Uh, if they do, obviously that will uh, be a huge boost for NFC deployment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got the mobile network operators who are interested in payments, AT&T and, uh, and Verizon and T-Mobile, which have uh, partnered on ISIS, which is an NFC deployment. Okay. You noted Starbucks, mm -hmm. which is currently the most successful mobile payments platform. Incredible, right? There. It's a coffee shop, <laughs> yep. and yet they have the most, uh, the most widely used mobile payments app. Now, for them, it's a little easier to deploy because they're a closed-loop system. Mm -hmm. You can't use the Starbucks app to pay anywhere other than at right. Starbucks. Uh, it's a little harder to deploy something ubiquitously that you can use at 8 million merchants in the U.S. as opposed to just one. Yeah. But the model obviously works. Okay. Uh, Starbucks has announced that they're processing more than 10% of their revenue on the Starbucks app. And one of the reasons people like it is because it tracks your stars. It mm -hmm. tracks the number of drinks that you've purchased. Love to gamify it. things, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. It works out well. I don't have to carry the plastic card around to get it punched when I uh, buy my coffee. That works very well. And again, consumers will look at the different technologies out there and say, well, I want something that's going to track my loyalty offers. I want something that's going to give me location-based offers based on where I am. My phone knows that I'm walking by my favorite store. Maybe I'll get an offer for a coupon that's good for the next two hours at that store. That's something that my phone can enable, and maybe that's what I'm looking for in a mobile payments implementation. Sure. But I think the technology uh, diversification 
will be what drives additional adoption. Okay. And one of the one of the keynotes this morning, which I, I thought was just great, uh, was from Ariel Bardin from uh, Google, and certainly a central one of the central players, I think, in in the mobile mobile payments revolution, you might say. One of the things that really jumped out at me uh, in his keynote was he said that in terms of making money from this, they're not really worried about that at this point. They want to get it right for their partners. They want to get it right for their consumers. From your position, uh, you're optimistic on mobile payments. Uh, you're central in, in this whole mobile payments technology. That's got to be so exciting to hear a company like that say, we just want to get this right. It's very exciting. And what I think is interesting about Ariel's keynote this morning and, and Google's approach to payments is it recognizes that payments is a part of a commercial transaction and not the transaction itself. Okay. Uh, I think for most of the history of the payments industry, the payment piece itself has been the most important thing that our industry has offered. Mm -hmm. The ability to process the transaction to make the payment. But what Ariel Bardeen talked about this morning uh, and what Google is implementing is the idea that payments is a part of a broader relationship with the customer. Yep. Obviously the payment is important because the merchant wants to get paid for the product <laughs> or service that they're offering. That doesn't hurt. But combining that payment piece with more, mm -hmm. with the kind of things we were talking about before, the loyalty, yep. the location-based offers, the coupons, the things that will maintain, cement, and solidify the relationship with the customer, that becomes a more interesting transaction for the merchant. Mm -hmm. And it's less important to the provider of that transaction that the payment piece itself generate revenue, because from Google's perspective, maybe it's something related sure. to other services that Google offers along with the payment. Bring them into that, that whole ecosystem. That make it a more valuable transaction for Google. But the kernel of that, what drives it for the merchant, is that payments piece. And I think you're seeing that theme here at the Transact show overall. Sure. As you walk the show floor, you'll, you'll no doubt see payment companies and technology companies partnering together mm -hmm. to make that value proposition offer to merchants and to, to consumers uh, to drive this kind of adoption. So it, it is a very exciting development. It's actually interesting you point that out. We were just on the show floor talking to some of the folks from Ingenico, and they were talking about how they're, you know, I think you see a lot of consumers may see the Ingenico swipe uh, device when they're when they're checking out, mm -hmm. but what they're talking about is that whole solution system. So you get the customer information up into the cloud. You get the ability for the merchant to be able to view all of that, to be able to act on all of that, create just a, a richer experience for the customer. And obviously, that's a that's more of a value proposition for somebody like Ingenico to offer to a merchant. Well, that's exactly right, and it also makes the merchant more of a long-lasting customer. Um, we're in the midst of an incredible uh, technological revolution in payments right now, where those swipe terminals mm -hmm. that you were talking about before for Ingenico or Verifone or any of the other companies that make them, um, they used to be just a swipe terminal, right. just a exactly. means of reading the magnetic stripe on the plastic card. But now, as you know, those terminals can do a lot more. Mm -hmm. They can accept PayPal. They can uh, read electronic offers that have been transmitted to the customer. They can collect information about consumers. There's a lot more that those terminals can do. And those terminals are more than just for processing the payment. They're the point of interface with the customer. So that's, that's a great development, too, for the equipment manufacturers in particular. Absolutely. Um, jumping a little bit to, I, I've sat in on a couple of panels on international, getting, going international with, with, with payments. Uh, one in particular, uh, Discover hosted a, a panel. Uh, and one of the, I think one of the challenges going forward, it sounds like, is 
for people in the pay payments technology industry to understand the, the different cultures uh, abroad and to understand the regulations abroad, mm -hmm. to be able to really break into these um, different areas. I, you know, I think sometimes for investors, because that's who we're talking to a lot, right. There's sort of a flip notion of, oh, well, Visa can continue to grow internationally. Discover can grow internationally. Um, but it's not as easy as that because there, there are so many barriers sometimes to being able to get that growth. Um, how, does this, how does this get addressed in, in the coming years? Well, I think it's very interesting, the idea of international growth, because, of course, the market is very mature here in the U.S. Uh, any merchant that wants to accept uh, electronic payments will have an option for doing so here in the U.S. But outside of the U.S., it's not so robustly competitive a marketplace, and there are many merchants who don't have access to forms of electronic payment. Payments is a very heavily regulated uh, industry in the U.S. and around the world. So, as you noted, it's it's hard to run a payments network. It's not as easy as deploying a network, um, particularly one with global reach. You mentioned Discover in the context of the uh, conversation about international deployment. One thing that's very interesting and I think unique about Discover is Discover uh, it offers its network on a wholesale basis to companies that are looking to expand internationally. They will white-label their network effectively, and they have some very unique global partnerships. UnionPay, uh, for instance, Union which is one that they were talking about, which is really cool. UnionPay is a great example because obviously they're a large, sophisticated company, but they want to provide uh, the opportunity for uh, Chinese tourists who are visiting the U.S. to be able to use their UnionPay cards. So if you see a UnionPay logo on a store here in the U.S., that's writing the Discover network when okay. you swipe your UnionPay card. Similarly, Discover customers can use UnionPay's network uh, when they're visiting China. And they've done a lot of unique programs like that. On the technology side, they have a great partnership with PayPal. Mm -hmm. The PayPal um, transmission, when you pay with PayPal at a brick-and-mortar retail, that's over the Discover network. Okay. So that's the kind of partnerships that we're seeing, and that's the way in which companies are answering the, the very important question that you raised, which is how do you even begin to deploy the infrastructure to expand outside of the United States? Well, you do it with a partner who's already done it. Okay, so part of the answer is partnering, getting creative, just probably in general, is, is a big part of the answer. Um, one of the things that, that I've heard as well is uh, the market in the U.S., and this is, this is I'm learning a lot here while, while I'm here in addition to what I already know, but the independent sales organizations, so the folks that go out and acquire, um, that acquire merchants right. who, who aren't running a processing network, that aren't Visa, that aren't MasterCard. Right. That's very prevalent. That's very big here in the U.S. Yes. But most of the acquisitions overseas happen through banks. Right. And it sounds like that's starting to change maybe a little bit in Europe before everywhere else. Is that, is that one of the triggers that will, um, that will increase international adoption uh, in, in having more ISOs uh, overseas as well? Yeah, I think the ISO market, which has grown up uh, and is very mature here in the U.S., is the reason that credit card acceptance is so ubiquitous here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, you noted Visa and MasterCard, for example. Um, they operate networks. They are not card issuers, and they do not acquire merchants. They are the network operator. So they do not have direct relationships with the 8 million merchants in the U.S. who accept electronic payments. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the ISOs that have those relationships, and there are a large number of ISOs in the U.S., uh, many of whom are members of ETA. We are the ISO Trade Association, so we represent the ISO industry. And that ubiquity of ISOs here in the U.S. is why merchants have access to those payment networks. Okay. As you noted, outside of the U.S., ISOs are very rare. 
And in fact, the way most um, credit card markets in Europe, for example, grew up was with those state-sponsored or state-owned or uh, state-endorsed banks mm -hmm. um, that actually act as the acquirer for merchants, okay. giving merchants access. So in a country that may have certainly not as many merchants as are as in the U.S., but may have hundreds of thousands or millions of merchants. Um, the banks don't have the resources to provide service to each of them. Okay. So ISO's partnering with financial institutions in Europe, and we've seen some great companies. Evo is a great company, a New York-based uh, company, which is expanding globally, mm -hmm. particularly aggressive in Europe because of the opportunity for ISOs to uh, partner with financial institutions and provide service to merchants uh, in Europe to give them the access they don't currently have to the payment networks. Well, closing out, let's, let's finish off with uh, what's maybe one thing that you're the most excited about in, in the industry over the next five years mm -hmm. and uh, maybe one of the biggest challenges for the industry over the next five years. And let's flip it just so we end on an optimistic note. Okay. So I think one of the biggest challenges for the industry in the next five years is um, ensuring that consumers remain confident in the use of electronic payments. There's been a lot of noise lately about data breaches sure. and protection of information at retailers. And there have been a number of high-profile retailer breaches uh, in recent months. And of course, there's always the fear that there will be more because there are sophisticated global criminals who are constantly seeking out uh, fraudulent benefits uh, of their labor. Yeah. Um, the concern, I think, for the industry is not that the payments networks are insecure. Our payment systems are very secure. And the breaches of the retailers have been breaches of the retailers' own systems. Mm -hmm. But the question is, can we all work together across industries to deploy the type of technical solutions we need to deploy, like end-to-end -end encryption, okay. um, to make sure that retailer systems are encrypted as well as the payment networks, tokenization mm -hmm. to protect payment data online and with mobile devices so that consumers remain confident in using electronic payments when they shop at retail. That'll be good for everybody. Sure. That's the challenge. Biggest opportunity I see for the next five years is the migration to mobile. Okay. No question about it for our industry. This is the most significant technological change in our industry in 40 years since the MagStripe was first deployed. Wow. And that migration to mobile really opens up huge new opportunities for our industry to move beyond payments viewed as a commodity mm -hmm. uh, and more as payments viewed as the most vital component of a commercial transaction that takes place online, in brick and mortar, on the phone, on the tablet, wherever it is. Um, and that, I think, is a huge opportunity for our industry. Great. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining me. And I've got to say, that is a fantastic bow tie. I would say exactly the same to you. This <laughs> is definitely the most uh, sartorially impressive interview that's <laughs> taken place on the show thus far. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for being here at Transact. Take care. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason Oxman of the Electronic Transactions Association. Uh, we will be seeing you hopefully at the end of this week. David Hansen and I are taking off for Omaha tomorrow on Thursday for the annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. We will be recording where the money is from Omaha while we're there. Uh, and hopefully we will, we will be able to get that to you. But, uh, but sometimes those technology issues will hold us up. So if you don't hear from us for a couple of days, that's why. In the meantime, we will have plenty of coverage on Fool.com around Berkshire and the annual meeting, including on the day of the meeting, we will have a live chat during the meeting uh, where you can join in. Just go to Fool.com. You can find it very easily. You can join in the chat. You can hear what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are saying in real time. That is going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there. 
For now, I'm Matt Kopenheffer, and we will see you tomorrow or next week. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.